Book One, Chapter Thirteen of Clara Vaughan, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellen Preckle. Clara Vaughan, Volume One by R. D. Blackmore. Book One, Chapter Thirteen. So impulsive, kind-hearted, and honest was Mrs. Huxtable that we could always tell what was the next thing she was going to say or do. Even at her meals she contrived to be in a bustle, except on Sundays, but she got through with a great deal of work. On Sundays she put on with her best gown an air of calm dignity which made her unhappy until it was off, which it was directly after the evening service. She seemed a very sensible woman, and whatever the merits of the case, she sided always with the weakest. The next morning we asked how it was she appeared not to expect us, as I had written and posted the letter myself on the previous Saturday. For sure now, she replied, and the paper scrawl coomed on Monday, but us faint girt scholards, and Varmer said most likely twas the Queen's taxes, for there was her head upon it, so us put un in the big mortar till Beanie Daw should come over, or us should go to church next Sunday, and Parson would discourse it for us. But, and off she ran, but her belongs to you now, Miss Clarer, saying now you's come after em so they had only a general idea that we were coming and knew not when it would be the following day thomas henwood arrived bringing our boxes in a vehicle called a butt which is a short and rudely made cart used chiefly for carrying lime after unpacking our few embellishments we set up a clumsy but comfortable sofa for my mother and tried to divert her sadness a little by many a shift and device to garnish our narrow realm we removed the horrible print of death and the lady which was hung above the chimney-piece and sundry daubs of our lord of the apostles and a woman of samaria with a french parasol and eli falling from a turnpike gate over the great western steamer but these alterations were not made without some wistful glances from poor mrs huxtable at last when i began to nail up a simple sketch of the church at vaughan st mary instead of a noble representation of the prodigal son wearing a white hat with a pipe stuck under the riband and weeping into a handkerchief with some horse upon it the good dame could no longer repress her feelings why miss clare miss dear art alive jail what be about them's the smartest pitters anywhere this side of coombe barner gate em hen o hogs puddens for they and a chaney teapot and a dundy pair of highs by them shine with the sun on em like a bale of poppies and charlock but this small bulky pepper of your'n it no more colour nor the track of a marley scarley a massy on us if i could no walk a better picture than thick with my patents on the zider's quash to argue with such a connoisseur would have been worse than useless so i pacified her by hanging the rejected gems in her own little summer room by the dairy our parlour began before long to look neat and even comfortable of course the furniture was rough but i care not much for upholstery and am quite rude of french polish my only fear was lest the damp from the lime-ash floor should strike to my dear mother's feet through the scanty drugget which covered it. The fireplace was bright and quaint, lined with old Dutch tiles, and the grey-washed walls were less offensive to the eye than would have been a paper chosen by good Mrs. Huxtable. The pretty lattice window, budding even now with woodbine and impudent to the winds with myrtle, would have made amends for the meanest room in England, before it lay a simple garden with sparry walks and bright thatched hives, and down a dingle rich with trees and a crystal stream it caught a glimpse of the bristol channel end of book one chapter thirteen